Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast. I am April Martini, joined here today by the other half of Forthright People and Forthright Women, and that is Anne Candido. Welcome, Anne. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> of course. Since <laughs> it's just you and me, this is the way this is going to go. <laughs> At least for the beginning of these. Yes. Okay, so today's topic focuses on the second week of our eight-week program. As a reminder, that is Stand in Your Power, Redefining the Art of Being an Executive Mom. And the specific topic we're going to cover today is getting out of your own way. So last episode, we focused a lot on standing like a sequoia, which means really firmly being rooted in your power and your decision-making this week is going to build on that with the idea of getting out of your own way. And Anne is once again in the hot seat here. So Anne, talk a little bit about the philosophy of this and why you and I feel so strongly that it needed to be one of those topics. Yeah. And, and I think the standing in Sequoia one is a really great way of, of establishing the philosophy and the yep. mindset shift for what we're talking about. So if you haven't listened to that one, I highly suggest you listen to that one because we'll make some references to that one here. But to answer your question, April, when we talk about standing in your power, the, the one thing that we've talked about is being able to have choice. Absolutely. Right? But in order to be able to have choice, that means you need to kind of get out of your own way in order to actually make those choices. So a lot of times what we'll do is we blame everybody else for the reason why we have to make these choices. Oh, the kids are really busy. Oh, my husband's traveling or he's working. Oh, my boss is needy and needs this thing right now. Oh, you know, whatever. The excuse is going to go on and on. But really, what we need to really acknowledge is not that those things are not true, because they probably all are true, but that we internalize them in a way that means that we don't feel like we have any other choice but then go run those agendas to suit everybody else's needs beyond our own. And so getting out of your own way means taking responsibility for the fact that you're doing that. You're in fact doing that. You are stating there and you're saying, okay, my kids and what they're doing is more important than what I want to go do. My husband and what he's doing is more important. My boss and what he wants to get done or she wants to get done is more important. You just need to acknowledge that, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first step is just acknowledging that. And then there's a lots of ways that you can unwind that and unpack that in order to decide, are those the appropriate choices? Is that what you need in order to achieve your own goals and dreams? Or is there different decisions that you should make? Well, and I think it's so important. And yet, this is one where I feel like you and I get met in re with resistance a lot of times. And mm -hmm. we see this with some of our coaching clients or even in some of the forthright women events we've had so far where this can be a little bit of a controversial statement. But I do think that just like anything else, you have to not only acknowledge but own your role in whatever situation that you're in and then look at it from the other side of how that could potentially be perceived. And so I love the statement and I think it is one that actually gets people to change their minds about this one or stop resisting at the very least. That whole idea of you're stating that the other person or thing is more important than you. And when you look at it that mm -hmm. way, I think it can really assist with this idea of changing the narrative in your head and 
taking a moment to pause and think about each situation so that you can acknowledge when you're getting in your own way. Yeah, I think that's so important because sometimes, and it's still ingrained, and it, it happens to me, I know, and it, sometimes it happens to you, April. Yeah. Like, we're still stuck in some gender stereotypes. 100%. Right? And and still in our heads, for ourselves, for the, you know, our, even a lot of our companies, there's still a perception that, like, the man is the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. You know, the man's job is what's most important. It's the key job. And this is not just from a woman's standpoint of, feeling like they don't have a choice in that because they have to be then the wife, the mother, and whatever. It's also from a man's standpoint of like, okay, I have to put food on the table, so therefore I can't take time off to go and do anything else but work, right? So it kind of comes from both ends, and neither one of those ends is healthy, Mm -hmm. right? We only are going to be able to break this if we as women feel empowered to ask our partners for help, or if you don't have a partner, help ask others, your community around you, because it takes a village. We talk about that all the time to help in order for you to open up opportunities for you to make different choices. Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, you might have your partner be able to say, I would love to go take, you know, Johnny to baseball practice or, you know, do something else other than having to work like eight to eight, you know, mm-hmm. every day, right? Now, that sometimes takes some work and it takes some opportunities to kind of test and learn your way through it. But it is a mindset shift of being able to kind of squash a little bit of that gender stereotyping that says the man has to make the money, the woman has to raise the kids. Yeah, I think that is such a good point. And I love the idea because one of the things that we are quick to say with this whole forthright women initiative is this is not a male bashing no situation and we have no interest in that and we don't entertain it period in any of our conversations but i love the positive way of looking at this which is you don't know if the male is also in his autopilot and right. not seeing another way right and so if He's in a male-dominated environment where the expectation is that everyone around him is doing the same thing of working the eight to eight or whatever, setting those parameters at home to say, well, wait a minute, why do I have to be the one going to all the practices or packing all the lunches or going to all the doctor's appointments or all the drop-offs, all of that kind of stuff, when there's equal onus and responsibility then it allows him to step into a different role and be able to make his own choices as well, not just default to whatever expectation situation he's in. Right. But one thing we've learned, and I'm not trying to, again, generalize this, is that they are not going to do it unless you ask. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you expect them to kind of realize it and acknowledge it and just be like, oh, you look like you're like totally haggard and overworked. And how is your career going? And, you know, what's Mm -hmm. your vision for you? No, you have to instigate the conversation. They can't read minds. They're horrible at reading minds. I know that's a big generalization, but I think I'm getting a lot of head nods on that one. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is completely and totally fair. The other thing we talk about with this one, and I would just like you to touch on this is the whole idea of personal integrity and how that plays into this idea. Yeah. And that's really, really important because first is acknowledging that your time, your objectives, your vision, all of those things have value. The next thing is being able then to hold to the integrity you need to drive the consistency so people have that learned behavior, Mm -hmm. right? If you're wishy-washy and one minute you're like saying this and the next minute you're saying that, you're not teaching people how you want to be 
treated, mm-hmm. right? So you need to teach them how you want to be treated. And the way that you teach them is through consistent behaviors and actions. Mm-hmm. So that's the integrity part. And that sometimes means saying no to things that you don't really want to say no to, but you need to in order to be consistent. But it also means then you have the capacity to say yes to things that you want to say yes to that you hadn't had the capacity for before. And I know we're going to talk about capacity later, so I'm not going to get too much into that. But all that being said, integrity is the way that people figure out what you're going to do. And, and then when they can start to be able to foresee and, ex- and have expectations about what that looks like, this the friction starts to diminish. Mm-hmm. It never goes away, but the friction starts to diminish because they're like, well, I'm not going to ask Anne to stay to six o'clock. I know she never stays to six o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm, never gonna, I'm not even going to schedule a meeting at six o'clock because I know she's not going to be there because mm-hmm. she's going to go home. She has to take care of her kids. It's just not going to happen. But I know she might be back on at 8. So maybe I'll send her an email and I'll expect that response at 8. Yep. That's how you teach people. Yeah. Well, and I think two things in what you said that I was thinking of is the idea of being proactive and then also building discipline. Yes. And so you can't do this in a knee-jerk reaction in the moment. You have to prepare for it. And then that over time allows you to build that discipline to get to the integrity you just talked about which is the whole idea of you create those barriers and it's like, I don't do things outside of these, right? And not in an inflexible way, but this is the way in which I can prioritize appropriately and then get out of my own way. Yes. All right, we will move on to the quick fire questions here. We have three of them for Anne, so put her in the hot seat in a different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one that I will ask here is... Would you prefer a family vacation or a solo vacation? Oh, gosh. You know what is interesting? I When I go on vacation, I do like the companionship of having somebody with me, mm. whether it's a family or friend or my daughters or my husband. So you and I are going to go see Ainsley in a week. So there's one kind of context for that. And then me and Tony are going to go to Jamaica in like the week after that. So But I do, like, for some reason crave, like, gosh, I just want, like, a sabbatical of some sort sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, where I could just go and, like, be by myself and not have any expectations of connecting or socializing or entertaining anybody. But I think I'll get quickly bored. Mm. That's my fear. Like, having to share or wanting to share. It's richer if you share it with somebody else. Yeah. I get that. I think so. Yep. All right. Facebook or Instagram? I'm still a big Facebooker. I don't know why. I think it's because my a lot of my community is still on Facebook and it's easier to tell who everybody is. Sometimes with the Instagram handles, I struggle. To, I'm like, who is this again? And mm-hmm. it's just harder. All right. And the final one here. What is your leadership style? Now, we say the leadership styles need to be flexible based on who you are leading, yes. frankly, um, and what environment you're leading. But I do adopt more of the vigilant leadership style of leadership. I say leadership too many times in one sentence. But um, <laughs> we can make it a drinking game. <laughs> we could. <laughs> uh, and that's really to empower the people around you in order to create capacity for your team and also to encourage all of that expertise, all of that talent to actually work to its fullest potential so that you can achieve the big goals and dreams of your team. I'm not one who professes to know everything. Actually, what I used to say when I was at P&G is like, 
I may not have all the good ideas, but I know a good one when I hear it, Mm -hmm. which means that I need to surround myself with the appropriate talent. And I was always looking for the top talent because I wasn't afraid of my talent usurping me. I was like, if you can take my job, great. I can go go take a different job and Mm -hmm. I can move out, move on from that. So I would say that's more of my leadership style. Was that what you were going for? Yeah, but I think the other side of that empowerment is you hold to high expectation and you don't let people get out of things. I do hold so very high expectations. I'm an eagle eye. I do that at home and I do that in, in work. It's just there. And I'm like, I don't let anybody slide. I yep. just don't. Yep. Yeah, yep. That's, that's true. That's totally fair. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for joining us for this edition of Fourth Rate Women. And Anne, thank you for being a fourth rate woman. You're welcome. Being a fourth rate woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.